Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry scoops. Corey Perry. Well, able to shake away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Forever Mighty Post Game Show. It's uh, Eddie, Jay, and Pat on the mics tonight. Wow, what a uh, <laughs> interesting game, boys. This um, started off on the wrong foot, uh, as like I feel we're coming into that, what the Ducks used to do, where they just have a period where they just don't play hockey. We, we're used to talking about that stuff, right guys? Oh yeah, that's uh, eerily familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this is the first sh- uh, show of the season with the three of us. Oh, hi. I thought we did the first one together. Uh, I was nope. not on here. The, the guy at the bottom of the screen was not here. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was Pat. Broke Pete he Davidson. Didn't wanna, he didn't want to play. <laughs> yeah, we had, we had Broke Pete Davidson on, <laughs> on the, the debut game of the season. So. Okay. And Ed, Ed, can you tell everybody where you are? I, I don't... <sighs> I'm, okay, to be fair, I'm in the same spot I have been for fair. the first first two games of the season because i wasn't on the last show it's the same spot it's just really dark so he can't really tell <laughs> it looks like spot. it looks like he's a kid trying to hide the fact that he's awake past his bedtime <laughs> that's what it looks like everyone uh, shut up shut up mom will hear you so yeah. good well <laughs> i am without my desk right now so i am constantly moving to different areas of the house deskless well, gotta gotta give a shout out to the people that come out to our shows this season so far four games in had a bunch of new people in chat, and like Eddie has said before, a lot of people subbing and gifting subs, so appreciate your guys' support. Um, this game, though, uh, I, I not a lot of times do I agree with the broadcast, 
after in the post game, but they decided to say it felt like the first period that the Ducks were kind of just wondering what kind of game the Wild were going to play. Is it going to be tight checking? Is it going to be fast paced? And I was like, holy shit, like they're right. Like that's kind of what it felt like. They're just kind of standing around a lot in the first period. And unfortunately, the Ducks aren't able to recover completely in this game and go and take a loss here 3 2. But uh, we did see some bright spots, right, guys? Sure. You don't what? <laughs> you're gonna you're just gonna go right past the Cam Fowler scores. You're gonna go right past Nick Delorier scoring again. You know, I'll, I'll say you know at moments uh, the fourth line looked great. Like they kind of looked like our uh, what our first line should probably look like. And then I feel like a lot of times the third line looked like the way our second line probably should have looked. So it was a real confusing game, but it was almost like I said a. A little bit familiar. It just it started off so horrible. It's slow out of the gate. There was no step on the gas. Let's get after it. It's let's receive their game, figure it out, and we'll come out of the second period and hopefully we're a little bit better. And they weren't even that in the second period. I mean, they they got a couple goals, but I mean they it just was very similar to last season. This is the first time where they kind of looked like they did last season a little bit, which is not the funnest thing to watch. They had five shots in the third period. Like, nah. you know, the second period was great. And it honestly might have been one of their best periods of the entire season so far. I know we're only four games in. But the first period was probably the worst. That's a, that's a fair assessment right there. Second period was great. Yeah. Second period was great. Third period was bad, but it wasn't awful. Just the Ducks, again, can't generate any offense. Five shots on goal. You concede early. You know, it's it's not the worst goal to concede in terms of, you know, bad coverage or, you know, bad goaltending and Ryan Miller. It's just, you know, a regular goal. But they didn't generate any offense to really try and get back in the game. And then obviously the first period, they were honestly lucky to get out of it down one nothing. You know, uh, Brodian hit the crossbar. Kaprasov hit the crossbar. Probably could have been 3 or 4 nothing after the first period, other than Ryan Miller, you know, having a pretty pretty solid game up until that point. But it's the same issues since game one. Now game four. The Ducks cannot generate any offense, at least consistently. You know, the second period was really all where they got going, and now we've got three road goals from Maxime Comtois, two home goals from Nick Delorier, and one goal from Cam Fowler on the season. Uh, six goals in four games. It's it's not a, you know, it's expected, but not a great look for the offense. I mean, we got to be careful here because we we could probably not even get to the point where we're going to talk about the game. We're just going to talk about. All the bad things, and we've already had a show like that, Ed. We're not going to do that. Um, I was actually first. I want to say I was pretty impressed with Ryan Miller's game tonight. Not a lot of times uh, do I love goaltenders. I thought he played pretty. Oh, no, well. you do not. Thought he played pretty well. Uh, I thought he faced a lot of really difficult shots, and he made a, the majority of those look pretty easy. Good to see him back in there. And uh, you know, what are you going to do? The breakaway didn't go his way in the first period, but I mean, I think the rest of the game. I, I kind of felt like he, I mean, I even I was saying it earlier on uh, our Discord, kind of looks a little like Gibby. Like, this guy's making things look pretty good tonight. So I was pretty impressed with Ryan Miller's game. Um, bummer we didn't see Josh Manson tonight because I think it got rough enough to where he would have dropped the gloves. That was the only disappointing thing besides the loss that I was kind of bummed about. I was I was kind of waiting for something. Like, uh, I mean... <laughs> The, the elite goal scorer that is Delorier right now. I mean, that's that's fun and all. We we need goals, so I don't care where it comes from. But at the same time, I kind of would rather see him get in there and maybe rough up somebody. There's just 
I don't think we really had a fight since the last game, and that really wasn't a fight, but it was enough to actually injure Manson that he's not been back since. Um, and I, I feel the Ducks kind of needed that little bit of a, a motion uh, in that one. So, you know, if, for me, there's like there's like two guys that are going to fight right now. It's like Delorier or Getzloff, and you don't want Getzloff doing it. And at this point, Delorier scoring goals, you probably don't want him fighting either. So you kind of miss that Manson a little bit in that uh, aspect. Yeah, I, I mean, we don't know how long he's going to be out at this point. Uh, I think Eric Stevens put out a, a little bit of an update in the athletic real-time uh, feature on the on the athletic app where he said that uh, Dallas Aikens made some comments and basically said that, you know, it, it looks like it, it might be a while for Josh hand. Manson. But... He probably broke his hand. Yeah, because I think I think he came in punched and even and Greenwood even had like a mark after that. And other than that, I didn't see anything where it was like upper body. But I mean, he he threw in a couple punches a little late in that one, the previous game. So I, I got to assume it's it's probably hand related, a, a finger or something. Yeah, if he was healthy in this game, he probably would have fought Greenway because Greenway was mixing it up again with a few Ducks players. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of those guys were, it felt like not just not just Greenway, but I think Erickson Eck was doing. You know, getting in there on that and Bukestad again all over the Ducks yeah. tonight. They got some big guys. Like Greenway is like six six. I think Bukestad's six seven. Erickson X like six three. But those are like their only big guys because like after that, it's like almost nobody is that <laughs> that high. Like they, they their big guys were the ones being being yeah. dicks. And they're, yeah, they're allowed is, to be. <laughs> Fiala is under like five ten. So is uh uh who is nah, Parise is like five eleven. Yeah. If they had Marco Rossi playing, he's like five eight <laughs> he was actually in the lineup but but i think they just got, got ian cole he's he's a bigger guy i think um but at least a meaner guy I yeah i mean that's what they just picked <laughs> up right did they just get him i forgot he was on the team until the broadcast tonight honestly yeah I, I didn't realize i'm surprised he got in that quick like i i guess everybody's quarantining in this i don't want to call it a west division bubble but got traded yesterday and now he's in the lineup today for minnesota mm-hmm isn't he your boy too? You wanted him on Anaheim. Bad. You really like Ian Cole a lot. You must be bummed. Okay, dude. This was oh him. I thought you were talking. I keep bringing him. this up, but this was literally like two or three seasons ago when Ian Cole was actually playing well <laughs> with uh, was I guess would have been Columbus at the time, or maybe that was before he went to Columbus. I think like, it was. It was before he went to Pittsburgh. That's for sure. Yeah, from Columbus to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was the team that got him at that deadline, I think. And yeah, teams has this dude been on? He's surprisingly four, since I wanted five. him, he's not been good. So I'm glad not enough him. teams <laughs> until he comes here. That's pretty yeah. much what Ed's answer is going to be always. Yeah, not enough. <laughs> well, I'm still waiting on Tom, but that's never going to happen. What did you guys think of the Fowler Hawk and Paw? Do you guys think they played well? Surprisingly better than Josh Manson and Kim Fowler. I haven't looked at the underlying numbers, but they they didn't look as bad with the eye test as Fowler and Manson did. Um, yeah, I like talking about, I like that size. And I don't think once again, we don't have a big physical guy. Shattenkirk's not that, I mean, Manson's that, but with Manson out, Hockenpah or Hanky Panky is really good. And I think Fowler, he, he, he needs that because he's, he's going to go wandering and that's kind of his thing. So he kind of needs somebody who's going to be a little bit more physical and a guy who's a little bit more dedicated to defense. Um, so I, I thought it was 
very nice as far as the eye test goes. I, I wasn't expecting much uh, from him, but he, I thought he did a really good job. Speaking of it, uh, Fowler and Hackenpah apparently registered a 60.67 expected goals for percentage tonight, Ooh. which I don't know how many minutes they were on the ice together. I'd assume it's probably somewhere around 15 to 20. Um, decent signs, but I, I think Jay's right. Like, Hackenpah is the guy you want to put with Cam Fowler. Yes, straight defensive defenseman. And Josh Manton is kind of that, but I feel like Josh Manton likes to get up in the play a little bit more than he probably should. And whereas Yanni Hackenpah is a hits and blocks machine and he is going to stay back and he's not really passing center ice ever. Josh Manson's he goes on adventures now and again. And as he goes out on adventures, if he doesn't, if, if you're paired with Fowler, Fowler will not, will be always on an adventure and you can't have two adventure seekers at the same time unless they're absolutely going to score or it's an amazing opportunity that you just say, ah, even Hackenpah would have done that too, but I mean, yeah, Fowler's going to be that adventure seeker. You need someone to just kind of hold down the house until he gets back and he kind of writes things out. Jay, I wanted to ask you, let's get to the second period because um, the first uh, period was abysmal. But in, in the <laughs> second period, how did you feel about that play that where Miller led in the, the second goal of the game? Do you think, think kind of that was soft? He wasn't really all that screen, but I guess it came off a little unexpected. A little bit, but once again, I think that. I think uh, Minnesota had what, like, I mean, this was like 14 minutes left in the second, and they had mustered up like 22 shots. In, in the, through the first and second period combined. First and yeah. second period, so like 22, but like five minutes in the second. So he's faced what you would maybe expect is almost close to a total of shots, and they didn't actually end up shooting all that much more after this. Um, that will wear a goalie out, and that will wear a goalie out who has not played a game since march february of last year so he looked great all the way up there i don't really even fault him on the hartman breakaway because that was just a weird shot to begin with the fact that he shot it so far out that it, it almost surprised him the puck came out and he actually almost got that with the glove and the uh the leg pad and it just snuck in so he kind of like ah that one kind of sucks yeah, you'd hope maybe. I mean, Hayward would disagree with you. He he did say if he just angled his pad a little more, that would have gone to the corner. No, Hazy would have got it. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it, it was a surprise shot. I mean, he shot that so far out. I mean, that guy had a breakaway from center, and he shot it above the top of the circles on a breakaway. Who does that? I mean, usually get into the slot area, and then maybe you make a shot. He shot it from way out. That rebound. Went there, shot it, and Brian Miller almost had it. Back to this goal with the Benino thing. That's like a, a weird broken play where it hits. Uh, it's off a face-off. It's on the power play where they just generated a whole bunch of shots prior to that. And then it almost was a hand pass, but I think yeah. it hits a duck's chest, drops down, and Benino just slaps at it. And he just it just finds that one sweet spot. And even Miller knew where it was kind of going, but it was just it was so quick and so sudden. That it went in. Uh, once again, I don't blame him from a goalie perspective that that went in. It was just one of those broken, weird plays. Like it's a faceoff going left. All of a sudden, it's back to the center. The dude just slapping it five hole on the ground, and it just kind of surprised him. I think from the moment Miller sees that kind of fall off whoever it hit and bounce to the ice, it's off Benino's stick like two seconds later. Like the, it's just quick. The, the amount of time to be able to pick that pick that up is impossible. And then not only that. Benino shoots it across the ice and goes five hole like that. It, that makes it that much more difficult for him to get down and make that save. 
you can't really blame him on that one. I, I mean, the only way you make that save is if you've got exceptional hand-eye coordination, you see that somehow before it hits the ice, or you're just lucky and you're in position already and it hits your pads. <laughs> or you're um, like me, you're just really late to things, and then it just happens. It's like, oh, I was already here. I didn't even move to my right, and now I don't have to move my left, and now I stopped it. <laughs> just always stay in the butterfly. Yeah, just stand there and hope it hits you. Close your eyes. That's all goalies do. Uh, can we get to D'Lo's goal, Eddie? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, Nick Delorier, two goals. He almost had... So in the, I think it was the first or second game he almost had a goal. Yeah. Then he scores the last game, and he almost had a second one in that one. Then he scores in this one. He almost had a second one after he scored this one, too. But, uh, I mean, this is, a, I guess, I don't want to say it's a typical Nick Delorier goal. He's got five in his last six games dating back to last year. But uh, Carter Rowney generates the shot. It just kind of bounces uh, out of Kakinen's glove. Really, really bad attempt from, from Kakinen. But, uh, I mean, this was what was said at the, the intermission. I forget who they were interviewing there, but Hazy said it as well in intermission that, you know, this is a young goaltender with limited NHL experience that's playing in his first game of the season. Just throw pucks on net. And that's what Rowney does. And he can't kind of corral it with the glove. Throws are right down on the ice. And Delorier is there with his stick on the ice. If Stephen was on the podcast right now, he would be, <laughs> be ecstatic that Delorier <laughs> scored this type of goal. Says you always got to, the big guy's got to keep the stick on the ice. And I mean, that's what D'Lo does here. And hey, man, he, he's, he's been competing all season. If there's one person that you can't fault for putting in effort right now, it's Nick Delore. He he's been going since you know the, the puck drop on game one. Well, Dave yeah. said that he's going to get his jersey next, and he also makes a <laughs> comment in our in our chat. Big Dick Nick is the biggest, the Ducks' biggest offensive threat this season. Uh, you can't argue that he's literally scored the most goals. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's he, I mean he's tied with Comtois, but I mean uh, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's true. <laughs> was it seven goals total in four games? Yeah, if you date back to, to last season, I don't know what the no, no, no. I'm talking about this. Was. The Ducks in general, I think, have seven goals in four games, right? Six. Yeah, six. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Two, two, one, one, two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's pretty bad. <laughs> That's bad. And they even uh, they interviewed uh, Akins, and they, you know, they asked him, "Hey, are you worried about that?" And he had kind of that typical uh, coach response. So, well, I'm worried about that. Also worried about defense. Worried about the power play. Worried about the penalty kill. I'm worried about. I'm worried. We're worried about everything right now. It's everything but like, goaltending right now. I'm like, I know. It's just like, hey, come on, dude. It's like, yeah, we need to do better. I mean, he kind of did. He's like, hey, we got one goal where someone was driving the center. Um, but the, you know, the the Ducks, they they see at least in this game, this is what was reminiscent of last season. Was just. When they're in the defensive zone, there's there's no outlet, there's no there's no movement. It's just it seems stuck, seems stagnant. And in the second period, and uh, you know, kind of cleaned up a little bit, but the first and third was kind of the majority of the game, and it wasn't consistent shifts where they they had momentum or they had uh, offensive zone pressure. It was maybe one and done. We're like, oh, maybe maybe we'll get lucky here and we'll get a goal. Once again, they're just not generating enough chances against teams that they need to beat. And Minnesota's a team we have to beat if we want to get in the playoff. This is an easily winnable game if you're Anaheim. I mean, it should have been. If you have a rookie goalie in net, um, I mean, yeah, you're without Manson, but the Ducks didn't seem to be harmed by that too much. You don't have to exactly duplicate the second period to win it. Uh, you just have to be more competitive than they were. And yeah, Minnesota hangs back and plays that come, come get a style. We're not going to put any pressure on you. And, 
ends up being a problem for Anaheim after they go down 3-2, but uh, I mean, they, they need to find a way to get the pucks. Like, Jesus, I hate saying it because it's like Jim Fox make fun of him all the time. It's like, get pucks on that. Shoot the puck. Score goals. <laughs> well, I mean, the Ducks, there were times they were taking shots with no traffic in front of the net. I'm like, what is going on here? So, just kind of no creativity. There's at not. all. Uh, you look at the goals they've scored. Like, all three of Comtois goals were driving to the net and getting a stick on the ice. Same with Deloria. Okay, and what about Rowney? Rowney feeding it to Fowler. I mean, that was it was a nice yes. pass. It's a nice pass. It's a nice goal, but it's a broken play that turns into a two-on-one that Cam Fowler hesitates and then makes a nice shot. But it's two-on-one. They, you know, it, and, and it's not off a two-on-one created off a nice play. It's a broken play that bounced up. And, you know, D'Lo made a nice play to bounce it. I think he threw a stick at it, and it bounced to Carter Rowney. Again, Nick DeLoria generating the offense there, uh, and, and he's just doing the gritty work to get it done. But the only one I really see being creative out there is Sonny Milano. And, and you know, Sam Steele to some extent, but, you know, not to discredit Max and come to one DeLoria because they are putting pucks in the back of the net, but they're not to create, you know, the creative guys in the lineup. They're doing what they do well, and they're scoring goals because of it, but Milano's come in and, and done well and done what you expected of him, but outside of him, you know, Ricard Raquel is supposed to be a creative player. We have seen nothing from him. He's been stone cold, dead silence in, in the first four games of the season. And Silverberg hasn't been good. And I know creativity and consistency are issues with him. And, you know, Adam Henrique has been non-existent. But the only two players I could see that can really have some creativity are Milano and Raquel. And we're only getting it from one of them. And then we watched that San Diego game, which we'll talk about a, a bit after this recap here. And you look at some of the players in that game, notably Trevor Zegras. That's what the Ducks are missing. Not that it's going to make them, you know, significantly better, but they're so predictable out there. Yeah, and I, I also, I think Getzloff's been doing good. I mean, I don't you know, correct me if I'm wrong on this one. I, I think he's uh, shown a little bit of that that emotion, that physical. Uh, edginess that he has and he's willing to mix it up and you know in this series has been against uh, uh, uh greenway but you know even in the the first series against uh vegas you know he was noticeably more physical he's still kind of creating that play you know almost like a, like we used to see zegris do in the uh, world juniors it was like i, I just started watching what gets up he's doing he, he, he's making smart decisions and he he holds on to the puck or moves at the right time uh, it's not quite finishing now he's there with uh, Raquel I don't think Raquel's having a good start to the year but I'm glad that Milano's in there as well but I figure I, I wanted to mention too that I felt like Getzloff's having at least a good start especially since he's supposed to be kind of taking a lesser role I feel like he's still taking on a major role at this point I agree I think he looked good I think he has looked yeah. pretty good um maybe not as the, you know the flash that we've seen you know, from the past, even just two <laughs> seasons ago, three seasons ago, where he was on top of the world at some points, or he would Drop carry the ducks. For days. Oh, those are my favorite things and favorite memories ever about Ryan Getzloff. Um, <clears throat> but it's like it said in our chat. I want. I we have to go see who said it. I think yeah, DB Lowry said, "Hey, six goals from your bottom six isn't bad." And then you know, if they you could just get these top guys that play these minutes to get under, uh, get under their feet and start making plays then we have something maybe more fun to talk about some creativity some goals and we're just not seeing that right now um i 
The I want to see that bottom. I'm sorry. I want to see that bottom six produce while the top six are also produced. Well, that's what I'm I saying. Mean, if they can just yeah. all kind of churn together a little bit. <laughs> um, we've always had that issue over the last couple seasons is, you know, when they, when eventually it was Raquel, Henrique, and Silver, when they got going, the rest of the offense disappeared. And then when Derek Grant in the bottom six, everybody, then when they started going, Henry, Raquel, and Silverberg disappeared. You know, the, there was never really been a time where everybody was going at the same time. And, and one guy for me who I think, I, I don't know how you get him out of the lineup, but one guy I think is playing his way out of the lineup, especially out of the top six, Whoa. is Danton Heinen right now. I was going to say Troy Terry. Not been impressed by Troy Terry at all. I haven't, but he's in the bottom six, I guess, right now. Right. Danton Heinen was with Getzlaff, and then today he was with Henrik and Silverberg because it didn't work with Getzlaff, and now you've put him with, I guess, you know, a new type of shutdown line with, with uh, Henrik and Silverberg, and he didn't look great. You know, he does his job out there on, on the defensive side of the game, but offensively he doesn't really do much. And, and this comes to it again. I mean, we're, we're, we're going to talk about Trevor Zegers all year until he makes his debut. But at some point, like, how do you not advocate for that creativity for one game you know we're, we're all worried about burning a year off his elc and he's played one preseason game of pro hockey and he looked good you know is he ready and, and should he go now no but would the ducks benefit from having that creativity in their top six a hundred percent yeah you think they should pull him up right now i'd, I'd give him a game mm. why not in, i'd know, let him finish out the preseason and then come up that's what I, that's kind of my thing. Let, 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 let's see what he looks like over the next week or two. Now, is it preseason the AHL? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was uh, okay. Yeah, I'd rather see him actually see when he does. He did that that nice game, but it was against that Barracuda's team that I believe were missing a couple of their top defensive players. Yeah. And you know, if if they're if he's already kind of doing that, and he's only got a couple assists. Yeah, I like to give him a, a little bit more of that and. Um, Especially with forwards, maybe, uh, you know, I just would rather see the Ducks not pressure him into trying to, hey, no one else is scoring here. We need you to jump in and really kind of bail this team out, especially when this team's not projected to do much. I mean, we're literally just fighting to be the fourth best team in this division just to get in the playoff spot, just to get beat out in the first round. I mean... I guess anything can happen any given Sunday when you get into the playoffs and, uh, you know, it's the top four teams. But, you know, we're just kind of fighting those other teams right now. And I, I feel it's better served for the Ducks to figure out who they have in this season right now because they know Zegras is going to be jumping up. And that's not in debate. It's just why do it now? Let's see what we have and who we can maybe get rid of or who's not moving forward with us at this point. That'd be my thing. I don't think there's necessarily any pressure on him to, if he comes in the lineup and, and we're like, man, you have to score for us because nobody else is. I think that's one of the better opportunities to put him in is, you know, we're not getting things done. We need some creativity in our top six. We know what you can do. We know your skill set. Go out there and do whatever you want. There's no restrictions. Go out there and be the player we know you are. You don't have to worry about, you know, tracking back in your own zone right now. We want you to go out there and use that flair and use that creativity. For me, that's the best situation to put Trevor Zegers in for a debut rather than saying, all right, you know what? You're going out in the third line. You might get some difficult matchups. 
you got to, you know, play a little bit better in your own zone. You, you maybe don't have as much creativity and freedom to go out there and do what you want. Whereas right now, the Ducks are desperate for some of that flair, some of that creativity, and you can just go let him loose. And you know what? If he doesn't look good, he doesn't look good. Goes back down to San Diego, finishes preseason or starts the season down there, and you gave him a shot and you gave the guy a chance. He's not lacking on confidence. He's not a type of player that you hand him a debut and he doesn't do well, that it's going to ruin his development. I'm not saying, you know, we keep him up here and we force him into the lineup and he's bad and we keep him up here because he's the only creative player we have. I'm just saying at this point, what do you have to lose to give him a shot when you're desperate for that creativity? Give him more chances in the AHL. Yeah, I, w- I want to see. I want to see what Jay's saying. I, I agree. You're I don't hate him. <laughs> I, I, I get where you guys are coming from. I, I mean, more seasoning in the, in the AHL is never bad. I, I just think it's not detrimental to his development to hand him that debut now versus, you know, waiting a week or two weeks or whenever preseason is done. Um, you know, you could just say, hey, we're playing you this one game. You're going to jump in. I hope you do, do well. Do you want to fast forward down. the rest of the recap and get to Zegers? Because we've kind of jumped into that already. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, we'll, we'll, we'll pop to it. We'll pop to it after because I want to cover you know, everybody in that, that girls' preseason game. We obviously have the third period. So we'll get back to that. We'll table that. Let's get to the third period then. Let's, uh, let's talk about the goal that uh, ruined everyone's night. It was all about, I want to, who missed that assignment? In front of the net was it Sam Steele? Sam Steele, yeah, a little late to the party in uh, in the slot. Got he got kind of got caught puck watching, and Erickson Eck was able to bury it. Not much that uh, Miller could do there. I mean, unless he was Jay, Jay already would have pushed off the post and been three feet outside the crease I, ready. But. Would have had the glove like right in the top corner. It's like, oh, 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 that's where you're going. Oh, oh, so you got me. that that easy um. push off the post, nice and easy for you. No, you know, that that's going to be tough for a goalie. And, and quite honestly, it's it's a little tough for Sam Steele, too. I think he was a little bit deep in because he was trying to support the defenseman. And then that pass came out and he tried to make that poke and he just missed it. If he was maybe a little bit further off of the goal line, a little bit closer to that slot area, he probably would have had more time to react to it and also hopefully deflect it away. So he was a little bit in the bad position. That guy was a little bit open, but you can't blame your wingers for not coming in all the way down to where Eck was. I mean, he was on the half wall hoping that the puck wrapped around the, wrapped around the horn and he was able to get it and break out. And it looked like he was waiting and then it waited too long is all it was. His, it yeah. was missed, his missed assignment for sure, but what are you going to do? Troy Terry stumbled a little bit too. I mean, it's not his assignment; oh, it's not his player. Typical. He tried to check yeah. back. He tried to check back a little bit. I think he noticed that Steele wasn't going to keep drifting out to the slot and cover his man, uh, and he makes an effort at least to get back there, but he's too late. Can, can we talk about Terry for a second? Is everyone really high on this guy still for no reason? I don't understand. Uh, well, Ed was okay. I was lower <laughs> on him than almost everybody else. And I don't want it. I, I don't want to sit here and be like, "Oh, I love that he's not doing well," because I don't. I want him to do well. But you know, his underlying stats last year showed that he was a pretty good two-way board, and you know, he had the potential to be a great playmaker. But how long do we talk? Like, how long do we sit here and talk about how you know the, the potential of a guy to do something until he doesn't? How long have we done that with the active Silverberg? He has the potential to be a thirty-goal scorer, but he hasn't done it. The consistency isn't there. There's something in his game that he hasn't got to it yet. So Troy Terry might have underlying numbers that say he has the potential to be a great playmaker, and we see flashes of it. 
but it always comes down to consistency. And, you know, Sam Steele has looked great this year. He's looked great. He's taking a step forward. It's noticeable. You can see it. Maxime Comtois taking a step forward. Trey Terry is a passenger on that line right now. We've seen his two line mates take a step forward. That's the Ducks' best line so far. And it's not because of the way Trey Terry is playing. It's because of the way Sam Steele and Maxim Comtois are playing. And, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and say Troy Terry's doing nothing for that line because I'm sure his defensive responsibility and his two-way game is allowing Sam Steele and, and Maxim Comtois to open up a little bit more. But at some point, you've got to be getting points. You've got to be putting up points if, if you're being deemed a potential top six playmaker, which I just don't see Troy Terry being at any point. I think he'll be, you know, potentially a good third-line winger at, at his very best where he maybe can chip in for 30 points a year and just be a good, reliable player. But I don't, I can't see him being a top six player at any point. It is put your money where your mouth is. And, and he talked about this season that he wants to be the guy that is a difference maker and a guy that's going to score the goal or set up the goal or, or do something there. And through four games, still haven't seen it. So, I mean, you know, it, this was kind of like, hey, this is, you know, we've given you a few years. We, we we put you down the AHL. You do really well there. You come up here, had high expectations. But like Ed said, um, you at this point, skill-wise, not necessarily skill-wise, but I guess production-wise, you're third. You're third line. You're, you know, at, at best, you know, that's, that's where you're going to be. And, you know, we all hope that that was going to be a whole different thing. But at the same time, it's just like, if it's not producing, then you can't just continue to go like, well, I keep giving him those grade A chances until he's 33. And then maybe he might break out. That's just not going to happen anymore. So yeah, it's a little disappointing. It's only four games in. We'll see what happens as we kind of move forward. But I think he's got a limited amount of games to start proving his worth at this point. Right, Pat? I was just waiting for Ed to see if I was going to say something before I did. <laughs> I was like, how long How long is Ed going to let it be silent? Oh, you're doing it in awkward I, I could, silence? I could talk about, about Trey Terry. I know. That's why I was waiting. I was just, I'm like, I'm going to be quiet and not rebuttal until anything happens. <laughs> no, we've we got a lot of guys breathing down. Right? Yeah, and I don't dislike the guy. I just feel with our current combination of players in the team, he's just not a fit. He's just not a fit. Maybe we have too many Troy Terry's in the team. And some are better than the other. And, and he's the guy who's not as good. Because, honestly, we, say, we talk a lot about Sam Steele. We talk a lot about, about Troy Terry. We talk a lot about Max Jones. I like Steele and Jones better than I've always liked Troy Terry. He's supposed to be scoring goals, and he had never really see it from the guy. He's had a few here and there, but he, I just, to me, he's never been exceptional enough to be like, wow, he's great. Yeah, I'm glad we got him. Well, that was going to be my question. What What are your guys' expectations uh, expectations for Troy Terry? Because mine is, that dude needs to score 20, 20-plus 20 goals. And then I think, all right, that's where I expect him to be. Uh, right at this point, I'll be happy if he gets close to 10. I, I mean, would say 15 goals would be what I would put him at. 15 goals, be in, a good penalty killer. game season? Yeah, 15, 20 I, max. That's what I would I put would him at. Yeah, well, right now, but I'm saying, what would you have put him at, like, like prior to this season, or you know, he obviously he's got struggles, but like when you knew, because we've been watching him for the last few years, his potential, you thought, all right, this is a guy who can hit 20 goals uh, for multiple seasons. That's what I thought. He should always. be good. He's just a 20 yeah. goal guy at max. That's and now, and now it's me. like if it gets 10 or 15, I'm jazzed, and that's 
It's just not what you wanted from him, right? For, for me, going into this season, um, I I thought he'd be under 10 goals, and he could sit around 20, 25 points, primarily picking up assists mostly. Kind of like you, an, would maybe you picture that as a success? Um, because my expectations for him were lower than most, I would. I don't think most people would think an 8-13 and 13 season, so 21 points in 56 games for Troy Terry would be a success based off what a lot of people think he can be. For me, that's what he is. He's a you know, 10 to 15 goal, 30 point player in a full 82 game season at his best. Can he prove me wrong? Sure. He's a slow Cogliano. Maybe. I think he has a little <laughs> bit more ability at times. Like he, he can be flashy and he can pull out some creativity every yeah, now Cogliano. and then. Yeah. But there, there's finish. just some. There's just some holes in this game, and he's never been a finisher. He's been more of a, a you know, a, a setup guy and a playmaker, but we're still not seeing that on a consistent level where he is, you know, making high danger chances or setting up, you know, high danger scoring chances for the Ducks. It's just not happening, and he's playing on a line that's playing very well right now. Is it time to bring really up David Backus? <laughs> Spark some offense in this Get, squad. Give the kid a chance, man. <laughs> Poor David's just been stewing away down there. The fourth line's been cast. doing well, so there's no there's no room for him at this point. Oh, no, the fourth line. line's killing. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, he could take Terry's spot. Let's just switch take him. Terry's spot. See what happens. Yeah, I'm sure he's back. a better skater. Backus. Backus with Steelix. Well, that's how you anchor that line into the ground. <laughs> Didn't they pair Zegers with him in oh, training oh, camp? Well, then we got, we got another fighter now. Yeah. Welcome to the show. You get to play oh, with Backus. show. <laughs> You know who would be nice to see, though? It would be nice to see Steele. I think somebody mentioned this in the chat. Come to us, Steele and Zegers. Zegers playing on the right wing because he's, he's played in the right wing. Um, he was slated there, I think, in Ducks training camp. And then they played him there in the first game last night with, uh, I think he played with DeLeo and Carrick in that game. And, yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen him used as a right wing, to be honest with you. I, in the World Juniors, he was a left wing. In BU, he was a center. And... Back in the NTDP, he was a left wing. Uh, I mean, left wing is not too different than a right wing. And for Zegris, I think he operates almost better on the right side because he can get those shots off. I think he shoots better from the right side. I think he can set up for the one-timer on the right side. And this guy can pass just as well on his backhand as he can on his forehand. So it really doesn't matter if you play him on the left or the right. Um, he fits into the Ducks lineup better as a right wing, does he not? I mean, you look at the left side right now. You know, Milano's playing well. You're not really going to take out Silverberg if he's playing on the left when Raquel's playing on that line. Raquel can also play on the left. You've got Comtois playing on the left. On the right, you've got Heinen. You've got Terry. You know, I think let's let's put the game right? to bed and get to the it's San Diego goals game. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Because we're gonna have this is. The, I just want to hear more about Eddie talking about an American player. <laughs> than anything else. Yeah, we we got to get more time Yes, that. The, the Ducks <laughs> fell 3-2 to the Wild. If you, you all saw the game tonight. Shots Longest game breakdown ever. Thank you, Trevor Zegers, for interrupting us. <laughs> we got him. He comes up every show because right now the most exciting thing in the world of the Anaheim Ducks is Trevor Zegers. You're not far. excited for Nathan McKinnon on Friday? I, yeah, I'm excited for Nathan McKinnon to absolutely torch Hackenpah, Larson, and Zielinski. <laughs> yeah. 
Why do you think why do you think on my fantasy team against you, Pat? I'm not playing either goalies for the rest of the week. <laughs> I got I got Miller and Gibson going. Nope. Yeah, am I am I excited for my fantasy team for <laughs> for McKinnon to roll into Anaheim? hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Mm, awful. It's gonna be fun to watch. Never. I don't like watching McKinnon and Anaheim ever. Not awesome. Not I like this watching season. the Colorado team when they're not playing. Because True. they're a fun team to watch. I mean, Ronton and McKinnon, McCarr, Byram's playing for them now. Like, they have a gross amount of young players there. Um, but, yeah, it's never fun when they come to town. It's like when McDavid comes to town. Or you got the Oilers with McDavid and Drysaddle, and then you got Ed, Ed Colorado comes to town. I don't, with, I don't like uh, watching anyone on Edmonton, dude. And it's McJesus. Come on, get it right. And that's where... That's where Brett lives. I can't ever partake in anything that happens in, in Winnipeg or Edmonds, wherever he lives. Uh, yeah. He lives hey, in some cold not where he lived right this time. Oh, he but lives I, in Edmonton. He lives in Alberta, but I think he lives between Edmonton <laughs> and Anyway, that's like that's like saying he lives in California, somewhere between L.A. and Orange County. No, no, yeah. no. Sometime between L.A. and uh, San Francisco. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I said for... Two and a half years on this podcast, and I live in Toronto. <laughs> you do? No, you don't. You you live in England, London, right? <laughs> London, England. All right, let's get into this girls' game because this this was the most exciting thing, and uh, you know, my, uh, surrounding the Anaheim Ducks lately. The goals preseason game after the first two got postponed against the rain. We get to see the goals line up against the San Jose Barracuda. And not only does Trevor Zegers make his debut, Jamie Drysdale gets to play. Lucas Dostal is playing. Uh, Jacob Perot is playing. Benoit Olivier Grew is playing. Braden Tracy is playing. Hunter Drew is playing. Josh Maher is playing. Like it, it was a fun lineup on paper. And then you've got the normal guys in Carrick and Agazino and DeLeo. But a lot of the kids and a lot of the prospects that were going to make their way to San Diego in the lineup, and you know, barring a few, they all looked good. Trevor Zegers had two assists and, and probably could have scored a couple goals and set up a few more. I mean, he typical type of performance from him all over the place. I thought Jamie Drysdale looked very calm and, and kind of reserved on the blue line and, and quietly getting things done as he does. And Jay would, would love, I don't know if you watched the game, Jay, but if you watched the highlights, the Lucas Dostal performance was nice to see. Stopped 28 of 29. If you're the Ducks organization, you look at who are your top three prospects right now, and Zegers, Drysdale, and Dostal, they all look pretty good in a, in a 5-1 win in the Gulls preseason opener. It could have been a shutout, but I mean that's what I would have got. <laughs> but they don't they don't invite me to these things. Uh, no, I mean he, he looked good. Uh, I didn't get to see all of the game, uh, but I got to see uh, quite a bit of it, and it was a quiet game. For Dostal, as far as, you know, he wasn't uh, forced to do much, you know, a lot of extremes. But he, he got the job done. He did it well. Uh, and the team played well in front of him. But to go in and finally get your first chance at uh, playing hockey, especially in North America, uh, new surroundings, new teammates, new everything. And you only give up one goal and I think it was 29 shots. Yep. Uh, I mean, that's... That's a good start. It's a good put forward and just kind of goalies always take a little bit longer to get used to. Uh, goaltenders always take a little bit longer anyways to develop, but also if you're coming from Europe or a uh, larger rink, 
versus uh, what we have to do here in North America. It's just a little bit of time. See see how it kind of moves forward. But it's a good first step. So I'm happy with that. Yeah, so as as Dave makes mention in the chat, he said, Jay, I don't think you see Dost will do extreme things because he doesn't have to. He's that good. He was pretty solid, man. He was, he was pretty fine. solid in that game. He's, he, was, he was fine. Like I said, yeah, I'm not going to pretend I saw the whole game and broke down every single move he made in that game. I saw him play. I saw him make smart moves, good moves, but I just didn't feel like he was uh, necessarily challenged a whole lot. And that's fine. It's one game. It's uh, the very first game for both of the teams. So an exhibition at that. As it kind of moves forward, uh, the one thing AHL is kind of known for is uh, wonky shots and weird breakdowns that goalies aren't quite ready for. Uh, but this guy's also played what, what the what was two the, seasons in in the Finnish Liga. Yeah, but what was the uh, sorry? What country is he from? <laughs> oh, the Czech Republic. Czech Republic. So he played in that World Juniors uh, and where he was dominant, but. He was dominant, and the team he was in front of really sucked. So, I mean, already he was kind of prepared to, I guess, play above what was expected. So I think he'll be doing very well in the AHL. I just want to see how he transitions game in, game out, and how he progresses. This was a nice first step. Yeah, he's, he's going to struggle because he's that, that was his first game in North America. First game on the small ice. Played two straight seasons in a men's league on the on the big ice and did extremely well. You know, won goaltender of the year last year and started this year, you know, even better pace than he did in the in the season where he was clearly the best goaltender in that league for a team that hemorrhaged shots uh, on a regular basis, just like the Ducks do. Uh, you know, he he kind of fits right into their position right now. Not saying he's going to get any games this year because he's not. But with the way the Ducks play defense right now, he kind of fits a, a system like that. But the, the one thing with Dawson that's always been is, is he's a, exceptional in his positioning. He's not a big guy, so if you're not a big goaltender, you've got to be positionally sound. And you saw glimpses of that throughout this goals game. Uh, he, there's some things he has to work on, and, and you can still see that there needs to be an adjustment to the smaller ice. But it was a better debut than I thought it would be. He looked a lot more comfortable than I thought he would coming over from Europe and, and kind of playing in, in a different style of game for the first time. Um, so it bodes well. I mean, we'll see how that plays out over an entire AHL season because anything could happen. But for me, he's the, you know, the number one goaltender. I don't think anybody's really challenging for him for that spot. And San Diego with Stolar is kind of infinitely on the taxi squad because he has to be there. So he'll have plenty of chances to prove his worth down there. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Before we go any further on this, with Jason drinking his beer, this reminds me that we're going to be doing a Patreon show this weekend, guys. We're doing our pucks and brews, uh, shooting for Saturday. I think Jay's the only guy who hasn't confirmed it. But uh, wow. for those of you that are listening to the show now that don't know, we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash forevermighty. We um, were able to basically provide you guys with extra content, 
and also we've been doing really cool giveaways every year people get stuff i think right now we're working on hoodies like trying to get some more hats um we do watch parties when covid's not happening we try to engage you guys all the time <laughs> in discord so uh to those of you who don't already know we have a patreon if you would like to help out the show and get more of us uh talking hockey that's what we do over on our patreon we discuss the entire nhl and random things and uh we always like to try to embarrass ed especially jay so if you guys want to support us it's uh, patreon.com slash forever mighty yeah lots of lots of fun topics on that <laughs> uh, i mean i'm sure i'm sure we'll talk a bit more about the girls by the time we get to that show because they have a couple more preseason games coming up but are they uh, going to broadcast all of them on um on youtube, YouTube? yeah they do i now. believe all the preseason games are but then it switches to ahl tv once the season starts oh, like they which gotta make is money about... or something all right yeah, and it's apparently super expensive. Brett was saying it's not cheap. The other so day, which AHL I don't TV package? Surprised. Yeah, it, it's from what I remember looking at is it's pretty expensive because you can't pick. Is it a specific expensive team. Canadian or is it expensive American? Oh, that's a good question, by the way. I, I would assume it would be <laughs> all regular. <laughs> what did you? What all regular season games? All teams? All games? Forty four ninety nine. Per month? Oh, For the I don't whole know year. That's wow. letting me down here. Never. I don't 45 know. 45 bucks? I mean, NHL TV is a garbage piece of trash. Yeah. That, and it's a hundred something. But, but what That's is that in loonies? Bucks. That's probably 80, 80, 90 bucks here. Loonies? No, not 90, but it's about 70 to 80 bucks. How loonies. much is it in? How many bags Which of is milk still not could bad, I buy? Bad. Consider, considering NHL TV is like two hundred and fifty dollars or something like that for Whoa, the entire it's one forty nine. Yeah, you figured you guys you you guys would get cheaper NHL stuff considering you guys birthed hockey. You know? Yeah, no, no they charge us a premium for that. So because <laughs> they want you to go to all the games, you can't watch them. On TV. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so forty four ninety nine. You want to watch Trevor Zegers play this season? Yeah, might be worth it. I mean, I'd rather I like- watch that. Right then, then uh, I'm yeah. just kidding. I like watching Ducks games. <laughs> <laughs> Can't deny the Ducks. I can't. Somebody I would. I would buy this and game, never so. watch it. That's my problem. I would never watch it. Yeah, that's I, the thing with too is is like a lot of these games are going to be on during Ducks games too, so it's not like you can really watch both. And then I'm getting, I'm paying, you know, eighty dollars or for you guys forty five bucks. <laughs> and then I'm watching maybe half the goals games this season. And then if Zegers gets called up, I might desire to watch goes down because Drysdale's not going to be there all year because once the OHL finally announces a start date after Ontario comes out of lockdown then that agreement that's in place right now that's allowing him to play there which he normally wouldn't be allowed to do so he's going to go back to Erie Jacob Perot who played in the first game is going to go back to Sarnia and you won't be able to see either of them with San Diego I mean Zegras obviously can still be there Max Jones still. I don't know where those countries are, but are they in North Uh, America? No, Ontario is in California. Erie's in the. It's it's, uh, in your side of the country. (laughs) It's it's Erie Lake. Erie Lake. Oh, Lake Erie. It's a lake. Is it just a lake? Um, I hate you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Love you, Ed. All of this and more on our Patreon shows where we frustrate (laughs) Ed. What did you what did you guys think of Drysdale on that game? Because I kind of didn't really I, notice him a lot. You, what? I didn't really notice him all that much. I would agree. I <laughs> I mean he wasn't Zegras noticeable, but he made yeah, a well, couple of very clean zone exits, and he was just reliable. He almost scored too. 
Uh, I think it was cleared off the line by whoever was in net for the Barracuda. Just almost squeaked through. Like, I thought out of the Ducks defenseman, or not Ducks, I guess, Gulls defenseman in that game, he, I think he takes the cake for, for best defenseman just above Josh Mahura in that game. I, I mean, mean, if you like the grit side of it, Hunter Drew fought. But <laughs> I think Drysdale was, was their best uh, their best defenseman in that game. All I, if he, whenever he was on the ice, if he was on the ice with Zegers, I didn't notice him. That's... Well, well, because it's American. In America. I just saw red, That's, white, and blue go across the ice. Yes, like, all back is, that, is that red and white over there? Uh, who knows? <laughs> no, seriously, I, I uh, was mostly focusing on watching Zegers. Uh, like, just be completely honest with you, I didn't pay a lot of attention to... Uh, to would you guys say Dreesdale, Drysdale? I heard Stephen oh, yeah, call him Dreesdale. Dreesdale. Uh, so weird. It, Why does Stephen say it? Stephen lives in Beverly Hills. Like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I believe it's Drysdale. I Maybe mean, Pete yeah, Davidson right. says it, so he copied him. Who knows? Uh, Never know. Drysdale's still a couple years away, but he he did have a nice debut. I'll watch like, him look, the next game. He didn't game. look overwhelmed. He didn't look overwhelmed, which is, I think is the good thing. He's the youngest defenseman on that blue line. Um, Josh Mahura looked good, but that's no surprise. I mean, he's talent-wise right now, he's the best defenseman on that team. And today he just got called up to the taxi squad, so I hope that means he's can at least check into the lineup for one of these games against Colorado. Doesn't mean anything. He is waiver exempt, so he's an easy call up to the taxi squad if they need another body there. But he looked really good. And, you know, from the get go this season, he's been kind of the guy on the blue line that I want to see play. You know, I know it's going to be on the third pairing. He doesn't really jump in, in front of, uh, of Fowler and Lindholm. And he's never really played on the right side. But even if it is on the third pairing right now, not that Larson's been bad, because I actually think he's been better than we expected. But Josh Mahura, every time he's come up, I've been impressed with how he's played. I, but I he would somehow agree with that. Just somehow hasn't earned a spot yet, because he's got Larson and had Pedersen in front of him, and he's got a couple other guys now that are kind of sitting in those spots. Ben Hutton comes in, and I guess on the pecking order, because of the fact that Ben Hutton signed a contract and you know, Mahara can easily be sent down to San Diego. He's now kind of behind Hutton as well. I just want to see him get a couple games this year because I think he's good enough to be playing on this third pairing right now. And do you think he's just a victim of the contract or the salary cap? A bit, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know, you know all the ins and outs. Sometimes the Ducks like to keep their defensemen down in the AHL for longer than maybe they'd need. When we remember Shea Theodore and, and Brandon Montour and how long they spent in San Diego. You're not allowed to say but, Shea Theodore on this broadcast. Yeah, it's sacrilege. You know what, though? Josh Mahara <laughs> reminds me of a little bit of a Shea Theodore light. Not that he's going to be Shea Theodore by any means, because Theodore is ridiculous. He scored two goals, by, by the way, tonight, which hurt me a little bit. But uh, Josh Mahara has a similar style to his game that Shea Theodore does. Let's hope you're right. I would take yeah. three quarters of whatever <laughs> Shea Theodore is. we got to come up with a nickname for him. I don't like saying his name. It, it feels like this uh, makes me everyone uh, sad. Everyone, everyone gets so sad to talk about Shea Theodore. Um, like I think um, Eddie said today, Shea Theodore's freaking scored a goal tonight. <laughs> yeah, I, he scored and I immediately messaged you on Twitter and said he's out here. <laughs> Out here scoring two goals and making me feel like crap. So. And, uh, uh, call him the stoner, stoner sacrifice. So stoner compromise. I could do that. Oh, the comp. Yeah. Oh, like, oh, you oh, know, compromise. that's like a time in Ducks history. Oh, the we'll call this, the, yeah, stoner the stoner compromise. compromise. That'll be like that'll be in Ducks history in the books. They're gonna write it like that. 
Apparition said in the chat he pulled the Harry Potter and he said, he who will not be named. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I think he said the Harry Potter thing because everyone calls you Harry Potter. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Why, is he in a dungeon again? I am. Oh. I'm in the same place I was in, in show one when I got the, the nickname. I and mean, we don't uh, we don't have Steven here who got named Broke Pete Davidson, but uh, <laughs> he'll, he'll so be good. here hopefully later this weekend. We can reignite that meme. Um, let's get to Julius Honka, dude. Well, I want to tie a bow. I want to tie a bow on this this girls game. Tie bow? Is that like uh, yeah. what are we doing? Tie bow. Tie bow. That's where you like you Couple fight. Couple guys right? we didn't mention. Oh, who are we going to talk about? Oh. Max Jones played, which he was did. surprising because he was put on the IR, but I guess it wasn't that bad. He played. He looked okay. I mean, he did what he normally does. He tried to beat people up and looked okay on the offense. Why on the goals? Uh, no. <laughs> what? Wait. Max Jones played on the Ducks today? No, we're still, we're still talking the about the goals game. game, dude. Where have you been? Well, yeah, I said that on the goals. You said no. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I anyway. thought you meant he was beating up players on the goals. <laughs> no, I said he played on the goals. Sorry. <laughs> we're officially no. off the rails. <laughs> yes, he, he, he played on the goals in that game. He looked, he looked pretty good. Uh, Benoit Olivier grew got a goal, but it, it was a boy. Potterell's shot that bounced in off him. But, I mean, Grew did what he did well. The broadcast wanted to call him Gruel for the entire game. <laughs> As if his name was spelled like G-R-O-O-L. Uh, he had an okay game. Braden Tracy was a little bit kind of you know, a ghost in that game. He didn't really show up too much. Same with uh, Jacob Perot. He was the one guy outside of Zegers and Drysdale that I was looking forward to seeing. and uh, he, he was kind of just not there for the entire game. His effort wasn't there, which has been a problem with him in the past. But it's game one. You know, the same thing we're talking about Zegris doing so well, looking so great. One game of a preseason game. So I'll give Jacob Pro a little bit more time yeah. to catch up. I mean, the NHL plays a bunch of preseason games. That's what these are. <laughs> the Ducks will start playing at game 10. <laughs> we'll start, we'll start yeah. getting there. And, and how much credit do we ever put in, in NHL preseason games? You know, there'll be a guy who will score a hat trick, some random, you know, no name who just got signed from Europe, and then he'll play three NHL games and never play again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to be that yeah, guy. I, yeah, right. <laughs> Get that big contract first. <laughs> so we tied the bow on the goals game. Now we got to get to who Eddie panicked about this morning, trying to get me to uh, figure out Julius Honka. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's in love with this guy across Twitter. Everyone said the stats guys, the stars waved him today. Now everyone's saying Bob Murray's got to pick him up. I don't know where are we in the waiver slot to get him. We're not at the top. No, there's a few teams in front of us. I, I haven't checked kind of the order in a while, but there will be. He'll get claimed. I would be surprised if he didn't. Um, you know, he, analytically he's okay. I mean, he's better than what we have in terms of Larson and and Walensky. When you look at the last three seasons. Uh, he's not going to put up a ton of points, but he's just you know a decent defenseman. And you know, when it, it's with Josh Manson out for the foreseeable future, it's not a bad gamble to bring in another right shot defenseman who could play in the lineup. If Hockenpah can stick there with Fowler, is. and you can bring in Julius Honka to be a right shot defenseman, that's better than Andy Walensky because Walensky didn't look great tonight. And then you just send Walensky either down to San Diego or back to the taxi squad. I think you've got a guy who has a ton more NHL experience than than Walensky looked good in in Finland last year, and uh, if it doesn't cost you a ton, then then why not? Uh, Jay Southern just said we are five or six in the waiver slot apparently. 
Well, my question is, why hasn't he already been claimed? I mean, he's claimed until tomorrow. Oh, really? Oh, okay. He got placed on waivers today, so a team will claim him, I, I guess, today. It won't get announced until tomorrow when, you know, whoever got claimed gets announced. Well, and that waiver window has to close, waivers. right? Yeah. So, so, all right, well, help, help me in my ignorance here. Um, if someone, like, drops him and you're, like, the first in line to be able to claim him, you go, oh, I want him. Um, they just say, well, all right, you get him, but you got to wait until tomorrow. Then we'll announce it. The or lowest it... team gets first pick is what chat's saying. The, the chat is talking about it. That's here. Fine. I'm not so really sure how this I works. I think officially, so... like claims cannot be processed until tomorrow. So the teams can still put in claims up until there's a deadline period, which well, who is cares tomorrow. If that bottom, the, the the first team claims them, then who cares? Whoever else wants to try and claim them, it's already done. It's a done deal, right? I, I would assume so. I don't know how the NHL works it behind the scenes, right? Like I don't. I don't know if they just get Why not, for waiver claims <laughs> or whatever. Either way, the way it works is any right. team can put in a claim. Whoever ends up being higher on that waiver list that puts in a claim yes. gets But they just wait for everybody to come in and then they say F you to like the other 40 teams or <laughs> not 40, but 30 other well, teams. Well, no, there's, there's a time, there's a window of time where everyone puts their pick in and whoever is, is at, like at the number one slot at the end of the time, it gets that, yeah. you know, gets the pick. So. But that number one team is the, the, the. I'm just saying, if that is the team that already puts it in immediately, that you're just like, all right, all right, we already yeah. know this is going to happen. Yeah, NHL sends a memo to the rest of the league. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. The Red Wings put in a claim. Yeah, if the Red Wings put it in, the Blackhawks put it in its own. Pretty much. Okay. Which, honestly, somebody will. Um, hey, hey, did we miss the boat on Bobby Ryan? Right? I mean, four goals, boys. Yeah. Oh, I mean, another two. You know what? Like the sad thing is, is as much as I know you're you're kind of joking there. You see, like I like Bobby I, I, Ryan. You, like, could the Ducks actually use a player uh, like Bobby Ryan and Dude. his finishing ability, his creativity right now? If he is kind of not back to what he used to be, but he's kind of back in the sense that he's in a better mind frame and he's not injured anymore. Like they could, could they not use him right now over a player no. like Danton Heine? No, absolutely not. The top two lines on the ducks are just scoring goals at a ridiculous rate. We have no room <laughs> to put one of you know, anyone close to Bobby Ryan's skill in there. We just got, we'd have to, we'd have to put in the AHL. We'd have to bring up Bacchus before we add him. I, I, <laughs> that's what kind of the way it looks. I've gotten so much shit over the years. I still stand by, I'd take Bobby over Jacob Silverberg all day. That's, I would just would not I his contract. His contract was not awesome. <laughs> The, but the player, yeah. I would take Bobby over. Oh, and I know there was pick implications and all this other stuff that happened, but between the two players, I, I would still choose Bobby over Sylvie. What did the Red Wings pay him? I don't even know off the top of my head, but I don't think it was a much. Yeah, I think it was really minor as far as how much they had to pay for it. Chris in our chat said, play Bobby with Zegers on the goals. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a so, shot. Bobby Ryan with of the Red Wings is making one million this year. That's it. I mean, the the Ducks are right against the cap, but it's amazing we're right against the cap with this team. It's just phenomenal. I I, I just don't get it. It's pretty sad that we're better next year. It's just so bad. This is this is our our kick in the ass year where we kind of we have to take it, and then after this, 
Perry comes off, uh, gets luck, it's probably a new contract. I mean, so right there, I mean, we're going to get millions to move things if we want to. I'm just more impressed that the Ducks are always at the cap after being never anywhere close to the cap. The interesting season will be 2022-2023. That's when Hampus and Manson come off the books and Ricard Raquel. Do you think Manson's actually going to last all the way? I think I two of those three guys don't make it. You're saying Rax and Manson don't make it. That's no. what you're saying. Potentially. Yeah. I mean, like Rax is super tradable this year because of that contract and the extra year on it. Um, in terms of like his value this year versus next year, I think he's worth almost double this year than what he is next year because he's a rental next year. A cheap rental at that, but the team looking at him this year saying, okay, you know, if I'm right against the cap or I'm pretty close to the cap, I can dump some salary here, dump, you know, three and a half, four million of a guy we don't use. Bring in Ricardo Raquel for two years and we can plug him into our top nine. If Rax do a better job. I agree. If Rax catches fire in February, I think he's gone. I don't think he has to. I don't think he really has to because I think teams know that the ability is there. <laughs> but, and, that, like, but that would really ensure it, right? If he's if he's killing yeah. it this oh, year, why well, keep sure, it? Well, sure. But if he's killing it, then we actually have a chance at making the playoffs. Oh, God. Bobby would keep him, too. We, <laughs> yeah, he, you know, he would. It's, oh. it's almost better if him and the Ducks aren't killing it at that point. Yeah. Don't say that. I do not want a repeat of our first full year of this podcast. That was the most horrific post-game show yeah yeah we can really pick when we want to start podcasts right when the ducks aren't good anymore <laughs> oh my god eddie and i were talking about in, in, in twitter the other uh, earlier today was like they lost 19 of 21 that was yeah. quite the streak yes. yeah so glad to be a part of that i think i think when we look at ricard raquel and you look at teams against the cap right now that could be interested like i think the islanders are near the top of that list it's a team that could be interested in them and looking to add another forward um and, and really having some bad contracts that they can move on from and dump off that really i think they only have about a year or maybe two years left on it um I'm not sure how long Andrew Andrew Ladd has on his deal, but I'm sure the Islanders would be welcome trying to get rid of that contract. It might pay extra into a deal to get Ricard Raquel. I think the Blues would be a team like that, and I don't think you can ever discount the Tampa Bay Lightning from trying to pull off some sort of cap gymnastics to bring in a player. You look at the last two trades they made, they like bringing in guys with a couple years on a low contract, and they'll pay a premium for it. Dude, they're so, going to get everyone back before the playoffs start. They're fine. Yeah, Kucherov's coming I, back. I, I think I, I think we dump him off on Boston. They like all of our crappy guys. Yeah, as Chris guys said in here, Pat would love Raquel on the island. I would absolutely not. Mm. I hope the Islanders never win another game in their history. That would be a dream come true. <laughs> well, turns out I have his goalie, and they keep getting shut out. So trash, trash. keeps getting shut out. Freaking trash, man. So, do you guys want to get to fan questions? Nah. Yeah. Go home. Just go home. I didn't realize how long we were in here. Jason Billings <laughs> says, is it choke or tank? I can't remember. <laughs> do you guys think the Ducks are going to do that this year? They're in, not intentional. I mean, they're, they're not doing They're it never going to gonna tank. They're just, yeah. they're just going to be so bad that they're going to be near the bottom. <laughs> like, that's likely where it's going to go. I, I mean, we all predicted that they had a chance to maybe sneak into that fourth spot, which I think is still possible because I don't think Arizona's good. 
I don't think LA's good. I don't think San Jose's good. And, you know, Minnesota, we beat them one nothing. They beat us 3-2. I think we're right kind of close to them in terms of talent level. Uh, they don't score a ton of goals either. They get their offense from what will presumably be Kaprizov and Fiala. And Fiala has almost 20 shots this year and no points, no goals. And Kaprizov has been leading the way for them. But I think the Ducks are still in the mix there, but they're going to be a tank team unintentionally because they're not going to be able to generate enough offense to stick around and, and really make a, a hardcore playoff push. Oh, just got to put Zegers in there, right? Zegers needs to go in for, for us to watch <laughs> the game and have fun. And for the Ducks to have some creative... Zegers is not going to go in there and turn this into a playoff team or a team that's better than Vegas, St. Louis, or, or Colorado. I don't... But makes them better. Yeah, I don't think anyone's expecting us to be the top three team, but can we compete with the bottom five other teams? Yes. Uh, four other teams. That's where the other one. Absolutely. And I feel it, it, it'll come down, in my opinion, if they have, because most of these are like two-game series. So if they do a two-game series against Colorado, St. Louis, and Vegas, if they can get one, lucky if we can get two points. And if we could do that, and then against these other teams, we get three points. We can be that fourth team. And I don't think that's necessarily out of the realm of possibility for us. Because, again, Arizona's not good. San Jose's not good. LA's not good. We're not really good. Minnesota's not really good. We just got to be the, the best of not good. <laughs> if we can do that, I guess we got a chance at the playoffs. And that's all we kind of need, I guess, at this point. But once again... I don't, I don't tank. I hate tanking to tank and trying to get a good traffic. I don't like that, that mindset. And as much as other people would, oh, well, who cares? We're not really going to win it. It's just as long as you get into the playoffs and we can at least be a playoff team, then at least there's an opportunity for it. I just yeah. don't want to be the last again. <laughs> at that point, like I think that's where I disagree. I don't, want, I don't want the Ducks to be bad. And I don't endorse teams tanking, but would I rather the Ducks squeak into the last playoff spot and get eliminated in the first round or get another top five pick or a top 10 pick? I will take the top five or top 10 pick every time with the way this team is right now. They desperately need another guaranteed talent from the top half of this draft to move this rebuild forward. And sneaking into the playoffs because you're the best of the rest you're the best of all the other shitty teams is not something the Ducks should be happy about at this time. Honestly, who do you see them beating? If they scrape in, that means their foes through the first two rounds are Colorado, St. Louis, and Vegas, if this division goes as planned. There is absolutely no way they're beating one of those teams in a seven-game series. John Gibson could stand on his head. I do not think the Ducks win four out of a seven-game series against those teams Maybe if they shorten it down. I just, even them, I, I don't, I think that's probably the best chance out of any of them. But we don't have the score. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I, I, I can't see it. Like, John Gibson would be the only reason the Ducks would have a chance. And even then, that would mean he would have to win them four games because the Ducks aren't outscoring St. Louis. So somebody is standing on their head there. And, I, yeah, I just... I don't see the benefit of, of you know being a playoff team for the sake of being a playoff team because you got in and, and everybody has a chance versus you know going in and getting another top five pick and helping this team out you know immediately for the future. 
I just don't understand. Uh, hey, we're not a favorite to win the Stanley Cup, so why the hell try? Just tank it, see if we can get a top 10 pick, and see if that works out four years down the road or three years down the road. I just don't get that mentality for me. It's just like, you know, play the best you can, see where you're at. And even if you get in the playoffs, you can't be a number eight seed. That does, it's not unusual for a number now or a number eight seed to all of a sudden go to the Stanley Cup finals and play for the Stanley Cup, or at least the opportunity to do it. Yeah, is it a long road? Is it, you know, are you favored? Hell no. But Kings went in at number eight and they won a Stanley Cup. Uh, multiple teams have come in at seven and eight, and all of a sudden just kind of ran. If you get hot at the right time, not saying the Ducks are that team right now, but we don't know where they're going to be at the end of this season or where they're moving forward. And if things start kind of playing out the right way, I just hate to go like, well, listen, if we only get in the number four spot, what the hell is the point? Just tank. Let's get a few points lower, and maybe we'll get a top 10 guy who might work out some way down the road. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want them to tank. I'm just saying. If they finish in that four spot versus and, and go out and get eliminated in the first round versus them finishing lower and getting a top pick, I would be happier if they finished lower than them making the playoffs and getting eliminated in the first round. Everyone would, but at least you got the chance to play in the playoffs. And who knows if you get past that first round or that second round or you go a little bit further, all of a sudden this team gains a little bit more experience, a little bit more confidence, and then they move into the next year. Hey, we can do it. We've got the talent. It's there. It just, you know, it hadn't clicked until later this season. So I just, once again, just, just, I mean, not saying that it's, it's all there, but I would much rather, as a fan, watch the team try to progress and get better versus just, oh, hey, listen, we're four games in. We only have one win in regulation, so we'll just... uh just pack it in. Let's see if we can get top 10 pick. And maybe that might make sense three years down the road. And it was worth it. <laughs> I don't know. Now they got the locker room experience. Right? I see both yeah. sides. see both halves of it. I'm not. Yeah. I mean, what's the point of, of, uh, of middling? You don't get a great pick. And what's the point of tanking? You know, the, that guarantee doesn't work out for you. Right. I get it. So yeah. what are you going to do? There's validity to both sides. A hundred percent. Like I'm not saying. By any means, it's, just it's say different. I'm right. We can move on. What do you? We got this. We spent way too long in that conversation. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? uh, <laughs> so there is a message in the chat. It's from one of our Patreon members, um, Jason. His wife Shannon actually asked thoughts on NHL COVID protocols that might allow for teams to lose draft picks. Is that something that might be happening? Am I missing no. something here? No. Or maybe is she? Maybe she's asking, should they lose draft picks if they break COVID? And that protocol? it might allow teams to to lose graphics yeah i'm not sure how that i haven't heard about that i would be for it honestly because if these guys screw up the season for being morons then well the the uh, washington capitals just got fined a hundred grand for not following protocols just because if you guys went to um ovechkin was one of them went to um they were they were in a hotel or something like that and they just ended up hanging out but it was a sanction they shouldn't have been doing that Yada yada yada, but they got fined hundred grand for it. At least the team did. Well, I know that it's uh, NBA teams. That was the thing they talked about. They were they could lose draft picks, and players are, can be fined or suspended if they break COVID protocols. So maybe the NHL, like maybe that's what they're, they're referring to there. So uh, they said it was in an article today. I didn't see it. So if the NHL is going to crack down and, and force teams to lose draft picks, that would be very interesting. And I would love to know where they go to. Do they go against the? They, do they go to the opposing team where the game gets canceled? 
Like, I wonder how that's going to go. I, I want to find that article. If anyone in chat has it, let me, let me know where to read it. I want to check it out. I'm all for it. Um, now, Arizona got, they lost a bunch of draft picks for cheating in the combine. They were bringing players out and individually testing them, which you're not allowed to do, and they lost draft picks. If guys are out there purposely breaking rules, like, you know, having parties or whatever, and it impacts an NHL season, like, you know, I don't think Dallas and Carolina are at fault for this year, but you look at the impact of their teams now being out with COVID. It's impacted Florida more than anybody else. Florida, I think, has only played two games at this point because their first opening games were against Dallas and Carolina. They can't play right now. Dallas and is I, the one who's losing out. Well, in, in a way, but Dallas, Dallas has, has played the COVID a game. <laughs> cases. Dallas has the COVID cases. There's a reason they can't play. Florida has nothing wrong with their team, but they can't play because two other teams, Carolina and Dallas, that they're supposed to play have issues with COVID and I'm not I don't think that their outbreaks are because players weren't following protocol but if it was and if it was a case like Washington I think you know first warning a fine sure second warning maybe you you do something else I think if it gets like a third or fourth warning at that point you got to start doing serious punishment well they did they, it, it was in the ESPN article I did find it it said established violations of and or lack of compliance with COVID-19 protocol will result in significant club and individual sanctions including potential forfeiture of games, fines and, and reimbursements of expenses, loss of draft choices, and or ineligibility for participation in training activities. And that's yeah, an like it ramps so, up. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you messed up, you messed Okay, now we're serious. It's a mix you. of player and team consequences. So I think, okay. like, the player, if a player breaks protocol, he could get suspended, and then the team also could get an impact of a fine or losing draft pick depending on the again. severity or how many times they break the rules. I'm fine with that. If a team keeps breaking the rules, like if Washington ends up getting, you know, hit three, four, five times because their players can't follow the rules, then sure. I mean, at the end of the day, like somebody's got to do something in that organization yeah. to say, hey, like, you know, we're getting hit now. You guys got to, there's a protocol here for a reason. Let's go. Yeah. You can't stop Ovi from making TikTok videos with his teammates <laughs> in a hotel room. Let's let's move on to the next question. It's from St. George Sports Fan. It says, Eakins never seems to have much energy behind the bench, especially in his Edmonton days. Do you wait until the end of the year to want a new bench boss, or when do you start to pull the plug on Dallas? Let's keep these answers short, just because yeah. I know we can get into a giant conversation, but are you guys leaning towards pulling Dallas, or are you giving him the full season and then and then uh, assessing the situation? <laughs> it's this poor dude can't catch a break. Uh, his first season is the one that's cut short on a team that has to figure out what their new direction is from a years of a different direction. And then, so his his main gripe was that he doesn't show enough emotion behind the bench, and while he has a mask on, I'm not sure you want that guy who's jumping around just throwing sticks and uh, uh, chairs on the ice while his team's not doing well. I don't think the Ducks have played particularly horrible considering what we expected. I think they've done very well, and I think he's pointing out good things that they're doing, and he's being a good coach. He's not going to throw players Let me, let me ask you this, man. Okay. So, <laughs> I get <Ger> Gerard, <laughs> Gerard Gallant is available. Would you okay. trade... If you could fire Eakins and get Gerard Gallant, percent. Don't be stupid. Yes, yes, I would. 
Are the Ducks going to do it? Absolutely not. They've given the vote of confidence for Aikens, and they're going to give him that chance. And I think it's a... a it's an unfortunate D-bag. thing. It's a D-bag move if you just go like, listen, love you. Told you all about how we're going to be this together. But, yeah, that, that other chick just came along, and she's, she's What if they really fire cute. Dallas and they bring in uh, Daryl Sutter as head coach since he's already with the team? Uh, you know what? That would be, that would be more in line with what the Ducks would actually do. He's a, he's a that would, commodity. That would be yeah, on so brand more than anything, cups. for sure. He knows the players. He's been with them for the last yeah, year and a half. Yeah. Like, yeah, would I want Gerard Glant over <laughs> Dallas Eakins any day of the week? Would Gerard Glant make this team infinitely better? Probably not. They just don't have the personnel in place to be a good team. And to answer the question, do I care about Dallas Eakins? lack of energy behind the bench no not really because that's kind of how he is he's a laid-back guy he doesn't have a ton of energy he doesn't get fired up behind the bench like you said he doesn't pull a torch reaction and throw you know tables and chairs and, and try to fight fit. the other team in the hallway yeah and and you know bust it up with the media after the game like that's not it's not dallas Aik. it's just not who he is it's not his and personality i don't want that coach no i do my guy who's pissed <laughs> half the time. Yeah, well, I, I mean, those interviews uh, are amazing. I, I would okay. love another well, guy. You know who we want? We want Ricard Gromberg. That's who we want. That's we still yeah, want it's instantly. That is by far one of my favorite interviews we've ever done. Was with Ricard Gromberg. That was uh, that guy was great. I think he'd be great here. So too bad we didn't love complete that. That would be nice. So final question that I is also or it comes from David Vargas. Sorry. He says, "If this is like a follow-up to the the uh, Dallas Eakins one, because he goes, if you could trade GMs, who would you trade Bob Murray for? I already know my answer. I'll let yep, you guys my, go first. I, I, it's Stevie Y. <laughs> oh, uh, Eiserman. Uh, yeah, that's a yeah. uh, that's a pretty easy one for me. I mean, there's there's some other good options up there, but uh, you just look at what he's been able to put together in uh, in Tampa. I mean, they won the cup because of what he put together. You know, Breezebaugh made some moves last year, but." It was Stevie Wise's team, and I have full confidence he'll be able to do that in Detroit at some point. He, you know, he just has to build this team now. They're in a, a sewer in Detroit in terms of what talent they have there, so he's slowly kind of working that back up. But he would be at the top of my list. Jay? Oh, Eddie. You would talk. Oh, <laughs> it's like it's, I mean, Eddie's he's so smart. He sees young talent. He, he did win the Keeper Fantasy it. League last season. Uh, I mean, yeah, just talk to him. He's the he's the best uh, manager of fantasy. So in, in chat, they're saying <laughs> that I would love uh, Tortorella as uh, the Ducks, <laughs> the Ducks GM, if somehow, or if he, he was, was just... if he was here, or or Patrick Waugh behind the bench would be great. Yeah, whoever whoever blows up and then you can talk about that's all you. And then I I, I yeah. would honestly, if I had to pick one GM around the league. It'd be close between three guys, and one would definitely be Stevie Y. Another one would be Joe Sackick, and then another one, honestly, would be Rob Blake. What he's done in LA uh, and just that short amount of time, the way they all were, former you know, players, d- d- unreal, right? Uh, but those are my three. And if I had to pick one, shit, the best track record is Stevie Y. You got to go with it. And Jay picks Eddie. I pick Eddie. I mean, hands down, he's the best Canadian for the job. Eddie, can we do a thing on our uh, on our Patreon show on our pucks pucks and brews where if you lose you have to chug a bag of milk? Ooh. Oh God, that's worse. I'd rather chug like actual. Well, we'd have to get a bag of milk. We'd have to get a bag. God, I'd feel way worse. A... Wait, you feel worse chugging a bag of milk than a 
bag of beer? A hundred percent, I think. Like that's a <laughs> lot of milk. <laughs> well, how much are your bags? They're like what? what uh, I don't know. You guys I, do milliliters over there? It would be in liters. I, I think it's like a whole liter of milk. Oh, not the whole. Can I get a liter, a liter of cola? A liter of cola. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Uh, those are all God, I mean, no, I don't. Let's think let's so. let's get let's wrap the show with that. So everyone in uh, chat, whether you're a Patreon <laughs> member or not, would you guys rather watch Eddie chug a liter of beer or a liter of milk? And we'll create a game show around it for uh, Patreon one day. This oh season. yeah, whatever wins, I Eddie just has have to no do. choice. He has no <laughs> <Yeah>. choice. <laughs> God, I'm. I really hope it's not a liter of milk. That's uh, disgusting. Dave says, uh, "Chug a says. bag of milk." Um, both another a bathtub full of oh, milk everyone else have do, milk milk <laughs> well what what happens if they tie and it has to be a bag half of milk and oh, half of God. beer <laughs> i'm in on that too i that's a good Let one. Me too. all right that's let's a, even it out on that chat there so everyone do half and half not everyone commented but everyone's saying milk so <laughs> shane said what oh, is yes. a leader <laughs> so good All right, we gotta wrap this we up. gotta wrap this up we hit the hour 30 mark just about thanks everybody for staying on with us um everyone who's new welcome we're gonna do this every ducks game we kind of mix Sorry. up our hosts there's uh, a few of us that do this so you might see some faces throughout the season that aren't on every show like steven who's not here or keith who's not here but um yeah for those of you on patreon thanks for all the support as well and uh, we'll see you guys on saturday with the pucks and brews but uh Furthermore, we'll have another fun Ducks game on Friday against the Colorado Avalanche. So, have a good night, everybody. I guess.